0: It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg.
1: Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. You know, I don't hold a hose, mate, and I don't give the control room. They're answers that only can come from Victoria, I'm afraid, because that's not my job. But well, I ain't spending any time though, because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland.
0: Well, day, listeners, and welcome once again to The Two Jacks. It's episode 61 of our joint domestic politics and international affairs edition. And um, joining me as usual is Hong Kong Jack. How are you, mate? I'm excellent. And uh, it big- is
1: Chinese New Year. We are on the verge now, aren't we? Yeah, um, uh, Saturday. Uh, the bigger news um, earlier in the week has been Uh, that Inter Miami, the football team, played here against Hong Kong at the big stadium on uh, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, uh, fans shelled out big for the tickets, you know, up to 2,000 Aussie, a bit more. Um, Wow. Fans came from the mainland, Thailand, um, uh, and lots and lots of locals, Pac Stadium. And why did they turn up? They turned up to see Lionel Messi play for Inter Miami, and he didn't. Didn't turn up. He did uh, turn up, but he at, sat on the bench. He just didn't didn't have a run. They didn't even give him 10 minutes. Oh, that's um, a bit poor, isn't it? It is. Got, got to give the people what they want. And, and he's compounded the injury by, by 72 hours later turning up in Tokyo and playing, playing for 20 minutes uh, in a match there. So, oh, yeah. What's he on? He's on huge dollars for uh, for the Miami club, isn't he? He um, is. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, people didn't want to necessarily. Oh, they would have loved to have seen a great performance from him, but they just wanted to be able to tell people they saw him play. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, rather than saw him sitting on the bench for the whole game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been the big story for most of the week. Um, uh, you know, just because of the amount of money people paid to get tickets for it. Um, But Chinese New Year is kicking off, so I'm stuffing my red packets um, uh, to hand out to the, um, well, for me it's mainly to the guys who, uh, the guys and girls who. uh, Am I going to get one? No, no, no. You're too old. It's for the young people or people who provide. You know, like the management people at the building company, the security guards, the cleaners, that sort of stuff. I still can't see why I'm off the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, a mate of mine um, uh, some years ago went home and uh, he lived in a smaller block. I mean, we have probably about 10 or 15, uh, maybe 20 packets to give out. Um, uh, and he's turned up home and the, the security guards stuck the hand out and you know, said, well, where's mine? Um, yeah, you know, And my mate said to him, well, you're a Sikh. You're an Indian. You know this is not your. <laughs> the bloke's saying, but it's the culture here. He's saying, no. Nah, well, that's you right. Your culture.
0: I'm with the Sikh, by the way. How cheap! How cheap! And a form of religious discrimination, surely. Um, look, uh, moving into uh, domestic politics, Jack. In Australia, we saw some polling, uh, news polls, first poll of the year released over the weekend. Uh, puts uh, Labor ahead fifty two forty eight based on um, based on preference allocations in the uh, in the last federal election. It really hasn't budged very much, has it, Jack? You know, throughout last year, and we, we've we've agreed that Elbow didn't have a wonderful twenty twenty three, um, and uh, and I suspect it just reflects that. Um, uh, this this poll taken in January. There's been a lot of talk about tax cuts, et cetera, and we'll get to that shortly. Um, But really, polling at this stage, I I think I said it last week, I'm not all that interested in polling
1: until July, August when the tax cuts kick in. Uh, Yes, I think it's just all early days to see how it's going to pan out. Um, I I thought Barry Cassidy made a good point a couple of weeks ago when he was quoting Paul Keating as saying, don't just sit on your political capital, Um, uh, use it and use it for a purpose. And I think last year Alba's problem was that he squandered a lot of political capital on The Voice without actually achieving anything.
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah, I I think that's right. We've gone through this reset uh, that I would think it's it's fair to say that uh, the Albanese government lost control of the narrative, which is something a government should never do. Um, But the tax cuts um, uh, has... Has ushered in a new narrative, and that and that is the sort of mantra of we are helping uh, working families, uh, working Australians uh, deal with cost of living pressures. As inflation goes down, there'll be money coming into to the economy. Um, uh, much of it will be, be be spent straight in there. So I'd expect to see a bit of a growth spurt in that. Uh, uh, f- uh, third and fourth quarters of the year. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at the polling there. But the politics of this have been very, very interesting, haven't they? We saw we saw uh, uh, last week uh, Susan Lay, the deputy leader of the opposition, the deputy leader of the Liberal Party, um, uh, saying that she would fight or the Liberal Party, the coalition would fight tax cuts in the parliament. And on the very same day, Peter Dutton came forward and said, I haven't made my mind up yet. She might
1: have have gotten gotten a little bit ahead of the game there. uh,
0: She tends to a little bit. uh, When I see her on uh, television being interviewed, uh, there's almost a a strong sense that I need to phone her and say, are you okay? Um, (laughs) She tends to get a little bit carried away. And and it's one of those things. It's a bit like Peter Dutton with the Woolworths boycott. It's, It's just that. That sentence too far. That, yeah. that, that sentence that goes too far. So I presume she would have copped a, a bit of a razz from Dutton. Uh, Do you mind not making policy on the run on television interviews? That would be a good idea,
1: wouldn't it? Uh, Look, maybe, maybe not. I mean, um, all political parties uh, need someone who will go out there and uh, and get stuck in, and she does that. I mean, um, the Labor Party's always had plenty of them, Um, and sometimes they are going to go a little bit beyond where you want them to go, but that's a price worth paying to have the combative um, um, politician out there. Well... What we what we
0: have seen in polling uh, is a profound support for the tax cuts model uh, under Treasurer Jim Chalmers. Uh, support across the community. Um, Dunkley by election due very soon too, and we'll see how that all plays out. I would expect Labor to win that fairly comfortably. Um, but um, uh, we we saw an enormous amount of support for for the tax cuts as as they had been restructured. And um, uh, it, it looked very much to me early on that this was designed to be a bit of a wedge. I mean, certainly, Chalmers would indicate it's all about offering the the, the best level of support to those who need it most and, and those sorts of things. I mean, uh, still high-income earners are going to get a fairly generous tax cut, as it is, but there was profound support for it, so... In order to avoid the wedge, perhaps not deftly, but Peter Dutton has said that uh, uh, that the Libs will vote uh, for the tax cuts as Chalmers has structured them. And uh, that means uh, uh, the, the, the tax cuts will go through without any crossbench
1: support. doesn't need it because uh, the Libs will, will vote for it. Yeah, I, I should think what the Coalition will try and do is say, well, look, we'll go along with these tax cuts. But we're going to remind people that um, uh, that the Prime Minister's word is not his bond when he says before an election campaign we are going to go ahead with those legislated tax cuts and then changes his mind. Now, th- th- this is politics. People are, you know, that's what they're trying, that's what they will try to do is to say that there is a trustworthiness issue, um, but we agree with the tax cuts.
0: Yes, but they also agree with the old uh, uh, stage three tax cuts, too, Jack, and they've indicated that they will um, go to the people uh, with that, with that, uh, with that in mind, uh, that there'll be further tax cuts for high-income earners. And I really don't see that working terribly well. I, I reckon that'll get knocked over fairly quickly uh, throughout the year, uh, or very yeah, quietly could, be shelved. Could do. All right. Um, uh, Yes, Parliament is back and sitting again. Um, Elbow was in uh, a good mood uh, for uh, he chose humour instead of uh, uh, lambasting uh, the opposition and the opposition leader in particular. Uh, He seems to be
1: quite comfortable where he's at at the moment. Uh, More comfortable than he appeared as the year went on last year, yes. And and look, he's...
0: I know it's a bit of a popularity contest uh, in polling, but his uh, um, uh, approval ratings of Prime Minister are well and truly ahead of uh, Peter Dutton. Um, and uh, while he's taken a little bit of a bye both both are negative, by the way, in terms of approval ratings, uh, but as preferred Prime Minister, which is, as I say, a bit of a popularity contest, he is a strong leader uh,
1: against Peter Dutton.
0: Um We'll it, to- it hasn't
1: hasn't been a strong indicator of the outcome of elections that that particular uh, uh, marker
0: well the only the only time it becomes significant i think is when the opposition leader leads as preferred prime minister mm. for an extended period of time then you know you've got a problem with mm. your with your with your pm um, so yeah, it tends to be that way um, uh, that uh, the, the, the sitting prime minister will be will lead in terms of uh, <coughs> preferred PM. I, I just want to move on. We'll get bit to the Victorian story shortly. But Nemesis Jack, have you seen it? Uh, no, not available up here yet. Not available up there. It is available
1: on iView, but that may well be geo blocked. Um, uh, they, they, they I, I cannot understand this, but they geo block almost everything.
0: I wonder why that is. Uh, they might be looking for sales, Jack. They might, might want you yeah, to pop down and, the shop and pick up a DVD. Um,
1: and I just don't think most of these um, shows, they're geo-blocking, having a, have a market outside of Australia.
0: Well, this certainly doesn't. I mean, you know, p- except for political nerds like yourself. I mean, I just don't see anyone rushing out in Hong Kong. So, well, I really must get uh, Malcolm Turnbull's take on Tony Abbott. I mean, it's, it is very, very much for domestic consumption. But, look, I- I've seen the first two episodes. Um, uh, notable omissions uh, from the program uh, were uh, Tony Abbott, uh, Joe Hockey, uh, Julie Bishop, and... Um, uh, Um, But the rest are there, and... uh, Why do they do do this to themselves? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think there is, in most cases, a genuine attempt to get their side of the story on the record, Um, to get the history told, uh, if you like, by their own sort of blinkered view, if you... um, But. Uh, what it remind what <laughs> both episodes have told us is just what an accomplished liar Scott Morrison is. I mean, he, he, he would, uh, he'd rather lie than tell you tell you the truth. He, he looked people in the eye, and we saw this as,
1: when he was prime minister. He looked people in the eye and lied to them. He should have been a lawyer, really. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, my recollection from the killing. T- Season the killing season was called, wasn't it? The, the that the, the, was the, the Rudd Gillard Rudd years, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, I believe Julia Gillard declined to go on that, is is my recollection. Um, and I always thought that was the sensible, at uh, the sensible decision. I just don't see that, in, and I think that Joe Hockey, Tony Abbott, and Julie Bishop um, are, are right not to not to have gone on this. I just don't think there's an upside for you in it.
0: No, there probably isn't. I mean, the, the series, of course, uh, started with Labour in Power uh, and it was fascinating. Um, and there were, I mean, I, I, my memory is that Keating did not appear. But no. I may be wrong about that. Um, uh, Hawkey was there, of course, and Richo plotting away. And and it, it is fascinating television, um, uh, good for viewers, uh, may not be all that good. For, oh, of course, Peter Dutton is the other who's the other prominent uh, a, a mission he uh, declined for whatever reason to be part of it um, but uh, <coughs> Susan Lee was there um, uh, Erica Betts, um, uh, a few bit players and of course a, a perfect forum for Malcolm Turnbull Jack and uh, uh, the he, he's of,
1: always been at
0: home on the ABC well he, he <laughs> this is probably true in the Guardian. Um, uh, he did make the point, uh, though, that um, – uh, and I thought it was most amusing – that uh, after he had to weigh in, uh, I think, $1.75 million of his own money to the Liberal Party in 2016, he decided uh, against going to the people after the, the week from hell that the uh, coalition government endured where uh, Peter Dutton threw his hat in the ring and finally Malcolm Turnbull was toppled. Um, and of course, Scott Morrison emerged from the pack uh, to become prime minister. Um, uh, but Malcolm had 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 um, had at least pondered the idea of of calling an election, and had made a uh, 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 an appointment to see the governor general. I think on the on the Thursday morning at eight o'clock. So that was his intention, and and that really would have been just burnt the whole thing down. Um. Uh, and he said uh, at the time uh, uh, that he th- that he, he 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 finally sort of came to a view that he didn't want to do this because it, it was going to probably going to cost him another one point five one point seven five million. Yeah, he'd have um, to fund the election. <laughs> uh,
1: for for those those listeners who have got a a, a, <laughs> a, a sub to the Australian, um, have a read of Richard Olston's comment uh, 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 column. On Malcolm Turnbull, um, it's a free and gratis character assessment of a, of a very yes. interesting kind. Uh, yeah. Richard Olson, I think, was president of He's a former senator. Former um, senator,
0: was, former minister for communications. Yeah. Uh, probably oversaw the
1: absolute and utter disaster of Australia's uh, uh, internet rollout, high-speed rollout. Um, yeah. Um, he was, uh, and he was president of the Liberal Party at the relevant times for Nemesis, but... Um, uh,
0: uh, yes, he did provide a, a free uh, character assessment. Um, look, the, uh, the 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 comments they, they have this uh, approach to it that they'll that they'll that they'll sit with all of those that they're interviewing, and saying, "Give uh, give me uh, 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 give me one word to describe Malcolm Turnbull. Give me one word to describe um, uh, Scott Morrison." Uh, and, and, and these are very interesting. <laughs> Turnbull's uh, response was on Morrison was duplicitous, Um, and uh, uh, and uh, his response to to, to, uh, his one word response on Dutton was thug. Mm. I got a feeling that's going to stick, Jack. Um, uh, Yeah, it uh, it was it was uh, as I say a fairly blunt. Uh, a fairly blunt character assessment of Peter Dutton, um, but yes, old enmities die hard. One of the most impressive performers in it, Jack, is Christopher Pine. He's a really articulate, witty fellow, and he talks about how leadership spells are just so damaging that that friendships are broken uh, and never resolved, and, um, and and just how ugly they are. And and my my probably one of the most uh, salient comments uh, from it was from craig kelly not known for his wisdom um but he just said here we are you know we just proved ourselves to be just as bad as the labor party and they did that was that was really what the nemesis period is all about i mean three leadership changes in the space of well basically five years jack
1: six years mm. um the uh uh, and Malcolm Fraser was front and centre, and uh, Malcolm Turnbull was front and centre in all of them. Uh, the Christopher Pine I, I've always thought was very intelligent. Um, there's some less attractive parts of him, but he's clearly sharp and he does speak well, and he's got a good sense of humour. He has got a good sense of
0: humour. Um,
1: um,
0: he's one of those fellows that I sort of miss um, uh, in the Parliament, and and he did have friends on both sides. That's yeah. always a good indicator of a. Of a, of a decent sort of fellow, when you have or, or at least a sane one. Well, he did. I think he sort of famously said, "Look, I have—I I don't have any friends from the opposition. I just have acquaintances." Um, <laughs> so he's not that friendly. Um, but yeah, look, it's a, its a a—it's—it's a, it's an interesting one. I'll certainly be watching the Morrison thing because, of course, Morrison took them to a stunning electri- election win. In 2019, when the people decided that they didn't want Bill Shorten, and, um, and the Liberals ran a very effective negative campaign, uh, based on, uh, uh negative gearing and, um, uh, fr- uh, not fringe benefits tax, but, uh, the franking, franking credits reforms that, uh, voters resoundingly rejected.
1: Um, that, uh, that was certainly an election that Malcolm Turnbull couldn't have won. Uh, uh, Richard Alston was right about this, that Malcolm Turnbull lacked strategic and political skills when it came to campa- campaigning. I think
0: what his skills were lacking are that the political skills of not being in touch with his backbench enough and not being aware that, uh, that people weren't happy, um, that he sort of dismissed a lot of backbenchers, um, and then the tactical stuff. Well, that comes into comes into play in 2016 when he called the double dissolution election uh, eight weeks out. So a long winter campaign, um, and uh, as Pine and others uh, mused, uh, long, uh, long campaigns, especially in the Australian winter, uh, are often a very bad idea. And so, pre- always a very bad idea. I think would a long, long campaign, and 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 Malcolm didn't have anything to sell besides this sort of nonsense uh, uh, speech speech bubbles about um, uh, about innovation and what have you. There, there was really nothing they had to sell besides Malcolm Turnbull, and and it was one of those things where the more people saw, the less they liked Jack.
1: The um, Malcolm Turnbull lost his. Prime Ministership for the same reason that Kevin Rudd did—that uh, he didn't like or care or have any respect for his fellow colleagues in the parliamentary party. Yeah, it was interesting to see the sorts of people who did
0: back him. Certainly in the show, were Craig Lundy, who was—I uh, oh, think he made his way to the junior uh, junior ministry. Um, uh, I don't think he was ever a member of cabinet, but he was basically the praetorian guard once of course Malcolm uh, put in the bonk ban and and uh, isolated Barnaby Joyce I mean that was just, tactically those were the, those were the two biggest mistakes he always had Tony Abbott in on the back bench Abbott uh, uh, declined to re- resign of course was knocked over in 2019 and lost his own seat um, but he had Abbott there uh, uh, plotting and planning away and, and then he turned on Barnaby Joyce and the two of them basically became the uh, <clears throat> became the the, the, the the sort of pivot uh, on, on which uh, uh, Turnbull's leadership became very shaky. It was very shaky after the twenty sixteen election uh, that uh, where they lost. I think uh, well, they certainly lost their majority. Um, they uh, they had a workable majority of one and. Um, and that just makes government very, 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 very tight. Yeah, they would have lost 2019. In fact, we'll, we'll continue to look at 2019 and scratch our heads about it, I think. Um, uh, but the Liberals came well, away from
1: it. am I'm, I'm not scratching mine. Bill Shorten was a terrible candidate for Prime Minister. Um, well, he did very well in 2016, Jack. I mean, that's the thing. He actually well, did
0: happen. really well and campaigned very well.
1: That's because he was campaigning against Malcolm Turnbull and, 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 and Malcolm Turnbull was a fine local member and I kind of liked the guy and, he, and if I had to give an assessment of Malcolm Turnbull, I would say he's a very, very smart man but he was unsuited to the job.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's reasonable enough. Um, he made a lot of mistakes. He did, it, to, to, to be fair, the gigantic ego the man possesses, he did acknowledge um, that he made mistakes, tactical mistakes. Um, and that's, that's a rarity in politics. <laughs> you go back to Scott Morrison <laughs> and you'll have three people saying he said this. And then he goes, Oh, I don't remember ever saying that. He's yeah. <laughs> really just, I think he just lies because it's a bit of a hobby for him. But he's off, Jack. Uh, Scott Morrison is off to the world of international relations. Um, and, um, uh, he's joining the, um, Oh, who's the group run by Um, Mike Pompeo? Mike, yeah, yes, by the former director of the CIA and uh, once uh, a Trump apparatchik, but no longer. Um, Fascinating stuff. The third, uh, the third episode will loom, and then, of course, we'll. Well, one thing that one thing that they did ignore, and I think it's just really odd. It's a very strange omission that they ignored the great tumult of the. uh, of the uh, dual citizenship, uh, where Barnaby Joyce and a number of others had to uh, had to go to by-elections, it just didn't touch on it at all. No, uh, well, why would that be? I just I, I, that was no, a really no. significant moment. But they cho- it, it's obviously uh,
1: an omission by choice anyway uh um, no, I, I just say about the dual citizenship thing the High Court of course is is is, is has got don't you bag else. the high don't you start bagging the high court but they can never be wrong, but they can be mistaken, and I think they were mistaken on the dual citizenship question
0: uh it is a very interesting thing, Jack, and this only comes came to my attention this week, talking to a friend of mine in London um where there actually are two australian born um uh, uh, m p s in the House of Commons, and they, oh, there was
1: there was an Australian-born minister for quite some time, Lennox Hewitt's daughter. Now, look, at it, this was all news to me. There's, there's a, uh, I think both are Labour. One,
0: one's based in Scotland, and the other one is sort of from North London. Um, and uh, and uh, she'll almost certainly get a get a ministry. Uh,
1: uh, in- that that might be Lennox Hewitt's daughter, I think.
0: Uh, I think that sounds
1: about right, but Australian-born. Well, joint- Len- Lennox Hewitt was was the um, uh, former, um, uh, uh, I, ca- I think he was secretary. I can't remember which department. Um, uh, where, where Rex Connors was during um, uh, the Whitlam government.
0: Uh, well, this this woman, uh, she's been an MP for some time. Firstly, joint citizenship, um, and and that is not obviously does not exclude uh, you from um, uh, uh, being elected to the House of Commons in the UK and she's also a Quaker jack hmm. uh, one of three Quakers in the House of Commons uh, I think uh, uh, two from labour and one from from the Tories and I was very very int- interested and i I'll be trying to hit her up uh, as uh, as a year uh, Goes on, and and it looks very likely that Labor will win um, in an election, probably according to my mail, Jack, in October. Yeah, October most of probable. this year. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. Um, over to Victoria, Jack. Um, uh, Victoria ministers have opened up their diaries to the public for the first time, and and that's revealed that they have meetings with media bosses, uh, union leaders, sports stars, and even a Hollywood celebrity.
1: Yeah, I I don't think this is a good idea.
0: (laughs) Well, why did they do it? Was it this, you know, sort of an appeal for
1: transparency? Yeah, I think that people like to be able to say that we're an open and transparent government, but um, ministers and premiers sometimes need to meet with people discreetly.
0: Um, yes. Uh, does the diary always have to reflect that, Jack?
1: Well, I don't see the point in opening it up unless it does. Well, but, yes, yeah, as you
0: say, there are going to be some some meetings with people that uh, they may not want uh, to be made public and, and I, su- I suspect uh, there would be an instruction from... Um, uh from the ministers uh, for the Minister responsible and uh, let's keep this one
1: out of the diary I'm just popping out for uh for a bite to eat yes yeah i I bumped into someone at the football on Saturday, yeah, okay, speaking of
0: a celebrity journalist Jack Tucker Carlson is going to interview uh Vladimir Putin. what is the yes. point of that what are um, we going to get I mean we're not going to get any insight into Putin.
1: I don't know what we're going to get. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea. I must say, uh, um, uh, I think um, more exposures in, the, in these cases is generally good. And, and I've seen Tucker Carlson do some excellent interviews, and I've seen him do some dogs. So I really don't know what we're going to get.
0: Well, I imagine he's uh, he's quite the he's quite the pro Putinist, of course. He's he's he's, he's, he's- Actually, anti-Ukraine, anti-Ukraine funding from the United States, etc. So there's a very good argument to be made that he is really just Putin's lapdog.
1: Well, the proof's always in the pudding with these things. Um, uh, sometimes people who are very pro someone, when they interview uh, uh, the person, you actually find out some good information. You find, you, you actually get a, a good sense of who they are. And like I say, I've seen Carlson do good work and bad work. Um, I'm I'm open mind about it.
0: Well, I just I, I mean I just don't know what revelations we're going to get. Um, and, and you know it's not going to be a hard hitting interview, is it? You're going to be forty metres
1: away at the long table, isn't he for a start? Uh, he'll need a megaphone to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got, got to got he's got to be outside umbrella distance, I think is the is the measure, isn't it? Were there were there were there,
0: were there any journalists uh, from the UK or from the US who?
1: Uh, uh, popped along to Bechtler's garden and, and interviewed Hitler. Uh, no, um, it mightn't have been a bad thing if they did. Well, why? Why? Or, why? Well, I think more, that the more people had known about him um, uh, earlier, the better.
0: Yeah, well, perhaps by 1939 it was a little bit yeah. too late. Um, uh, and uh, you're right that uh, that uh, the Nazis had basically won this enormous propaganda war. They had significant support throughout Europe and in the UK as they uh, seized territory uh, bit by bit. Um, and uh, and 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 finally, push came to shove. It's a it's a it's a story. Um, uh, the appeasement story is really one that has never really been properly uh, properly examined. And and it's just the cost of appeasement
1: basically was sixty million lives. Uh, there are a lot of people. Good, there we're all, there are always were a lot of people with good reasons not to look too closely at that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, in the US, Jack, we've just received notice that uh, the Senate has blocked the Immigration and Military Expenditure Bill. Uh, it was a, um, I think it's $106 billion worth of funding, uh, some of it to go um, uh, to um, uh, border control, southern border. US southern border with Mexico, uh, and uh, and uh, and a good chunk of it uh, going to Ukraine in, in terms of military aid, um, and uh, also to the Israelis in terms of military aid. Uh, when we talk about military aid, we just need to be really careful about this because uh, when they set aside, and I think off the top of my head it's hundred. Uh, well, we, a lot of money, let's just say, like a lot of money for for Ukraine. But m- much of that is internally s- spent in the US through the various military acquisition programs. Yes. So it's not as if oft- they're all just shipping off uh,
1: this vast amount of money. And uh, I- in terms of military aid, but it, it doesn't go to Ukraine with a note saying spend it wisely. But how you will, yeah, um, uh, it's you know. We will send you this stuff and it's going to cost us X and that goes in the number.
0: And, and, and it does go to the development of um, uh, armaments technology, uh, you know, through, through what we might call a military-industrial complex in the United States. And so not all of it goes to, goes to Ukraine. Um, <clears throat> so that's one thing that's often sort of ignored in this. Why would the Republicans knock this back, Jack? I mean, they've got political motives, surely, and and the word is that Trump had uh, uh, had contacted uh, the Speaker of the House and said, "Don't let this through." Well it got through in the House of Representatives, um, but it's been held up in the Senate now. I think the vote was 50, 49
1: and 60 votes were required. The, um, uh, I think there was is knocked back uh, largely on the immigration question. Um, uh, and that's for for a number of reasons. One, the people who designed the bill didn't tell the the rest of the senators what was in it until about two days before they were due to vote on it, um, which is a common practice uh, in the United States Senate. Um, And secondly, when they did have a look at it, they didn't like what was in it. Well, let's have a bit of a look,
0: shall we, at just what's in this bill in terms of border control. I know that that it did have the um, support of um, uh, Border Patrol officers, Jack, and there have been sort of trenchant critics of uh, Joe Biden. Um, And uh, the new system, uh, the bill moves most new asylum cases to the Department of Homeland Security, so it basically takes it away from immigration judges and the Department of Justice, can't be a bad thing, Jack. I know you, I know you want to stick up for your lawyer mates, but but that basically takes the asylum cases, puts it into one spot and makes it a, a lot easier and quicker in responding. Um, there's a new standard for asylum seekers. Um, that they must establish clear and convincing proof that they have a credible fear of persecution if they stay in their country. Um, it, it, it's uh, perhaps worth reminding our listeners that uh, uh, many of the people who are coming across the borders are not Mexicans. They are Hondurans, Guatemalans, El Salvadorans. Chinese. Um, Chinese crossing the border, of Mexico.
1: Yep, whole plane loads. Really? Yep interesting i did not know that um there are some, uh, big, uh, plus, there are some plus big people numbers. from africa various places it, it, it is no longer just a south american um, uh, entry point so yeah. it's, it's no longer no longer just an entry point for central and south america
0: yeah i'm going to take a bit of a look at that and see see what we're getting in terms of um in terms of uh, that sort of migration if it is going as you reckon if you're chinese you go through the canadian border jack would
1: not it a bit easier um, yeah, well, I well, I've even seen the video, so it's happening.
0: Okay, all right. Um, uh, there are other new criteria during the initial uh, interview. This is for refugee applicants. The bill says asylum claims can be rejected if the person has a disqualifying criminal history. Uh, under the bill, uh, the system is to be in place and operational ninety-one days after the bill is signed. And uh, that's not happening, of course, as we said. Uh, There'll be new detention beds and rules. Uh, There are currently 40,000 beds for uh, uh, asylum seekers. That will be raised to 50,000. And there are significant exceptions now uh, for asylum seekers, uh, including families uh, who are not detained. Instead, they'll be tracked using one of various alternatives to detention methods, Jack. Um, ankle bracelets and what have you. Um, I could go on. This is a very extensive. Uh, this is a very extensive reform, as I said. Three hundred and seventy pages. Yeah. Uh, now I don't know that we can say um, that, uh, that that the Republican senators uh, were left to mull over three hundred and seventy pages just forty-eight hours before a vote. Um, Uh, was, was called upon because, of course, the bill went through the House, uh, with support from a great many Republicans. Um, and as, as I say, the Border Patrol officers themselves have given it the thumbs up. So they just, they just play politics, aren't they? I mean, Trump said, don't fix it, and they're not fixing it.
1: No, um, uh, uh, I've had a good look at this, and, and, I, and the reasons why they're not supporting it uh, is is that what the bill does is regulate the current situation, right? and what the majority of Americans want is not that they want the border crisis stop. They want to stop people coming into the country, um, or they want to go back to at least I think the last year of Trump's presidency there were four hundred thousand. Um, what they call um, illegal border encounters—that's people who are kind of tagged as, you, as you've arrived. Um, and last year there were 2.4 million arrivals of the same, and they want to go back at least to the 400,000. And this bill doesn't attempt—it doesn't even attempt to do that. But, the, <laughs> but the, as it stands, they're doing nothing, Jack. Uh, 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 and, 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 but that they're they are not doing the things they could do. The 2.4 million people, uh, as a result of, of undoing the things that Trump was doing to get it down to 400,000. Well, what was and, undone? What was undone? It was a whole series of executive orders he took, and they were all turned over on day one of the Biden presidency. And that's why we have. That's why they have two point four million. So people separating children area. from their families, that sort of stuff. They, yep. Yeah. Some of it. Some of it's going to be unpopular. Some of it's going to be, going to be tough. But yeah. that's what a majority of Americans want.
0: Well, uh, that might be true, but they are, all, are also an immigrant nation, and they also have treaty uh, requirements in terms of asylum seekers, Jack.
1: Um, well, this is a problem all around the world, and a majority of people all around the world. Um, are opposed to a, a, an open borders type situation. They want to regulate it very closely. They want to stop what that what's happening. You, stop and you, 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 can, you, you can go to Dub, you can go to Dublin and you'll see the marches um, this week. It's it's the same thing. People want to stop that, and the, and that's what that's a I, I, the I politics. Wouldn't, of I would think majority that, I, I would think
0: that, that that reflects the majority of of uh, Irish people at all. And we saw that after the violence, after the, the, the extreme right-wing violence that took place in Dublin uh, with the riots there. Um, and we saw, you know,
1: a great outpouring from the Irish saying, this is not us, this is not who we are. Um, yeah, well, I think, I think that people are smart enough to say, no, we don't want to see violence against migrants, but we don't want the, the migration situation as it is to continue.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think you're, a I, I think you're interpreting in, things that aren't necessarily true. The, the Brits have got the Brits have got all sorts of problems. The, the, the Tory government's got all sorts of problems with their sort of Rwandan solution, which has now been rejected by the Supreme Court um, because the, because that that court found that Rwanda was not a safe place. Uh, and now you've got Sunak and others running around uh, trying to. Uh, uh, trying to explain that or trying to override that trying to override that decision you know they're, they're, they really are lost, but when we look at the UK numbers, those numbers are you know, in terms of uh, shall we say illegal entries into the UK those numbers are about a quarter of what France gets and and about an eighth of what Italy gets and, and about an eight an, an eighth of what Greece and Spain gets and it 's unpopular
1: all over Europe.
0: Um, so what do we do, Jack? You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> you've got people, you've got you've got treaties in place that all were, most of which were 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 written around uh, the conclusion of World War Two, where you had great movements of refugees and asylum seekers, um, and uh, and now we're finding that those things uh, don't work.
1: Uh, we. Uh- the first thing politicians are going to have to do is listen to what they're being told by their voters. They're going to have to address the concerns of their voters. Uh, I'm just telling you
0: that's not clear now. I mean, you're you're just saying, you're giving me an objective view about what you think people think. and. And uh and, and that may not be the way it actually is. That the part of the problem is this whole process, let's talk about the Rwandan solution, the so-called Rwandan solution, is so the discussion that's put brought forward by the Sunek government and its and its Tory predecessors creates the sort of angst and um and, and a lot of the the aggression in the community in the first place so you get you're getting people sort of demonized through a, through a process that's you know that was tawdry and was never going to get through um, and, and that 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 aids that 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 basically contributes to a significant part of the problem you've got um, uh, sort of right wing governments in Europe too who are expressing concern because they know that there's political gain to be had
1: um I was talking to an Irish fellow about this the other day, and he says the the problem they've got um, is that the people who have concerns about the the numbers of migrants, and he said there's a lot of people have concerns about the the numbers of migrants, and the the figures in Dublin are are quite astounding. I think it's about a third of Dublin now are born overseas, which is unprecedented. Well, in
0: in the Netherlands, Jack, you've got people who are born overseas now outnumbering the, uh, the the Dutch population or the, the
1: born-bred and, and Dutch population. And, and and in Ireland, the problem is that the politicians don't even want to talk to the people who are concerned about this. They won't listen to them. And that happened in the Netherlands, and that's why you have Gert, Gert what's his name, Gert Wilders um, uh, as the Prime and Minister. Wilders. I think you'll find, yes, Uh, that's right. If if you ignore these people, they're going to vote for somebody worse than you. Mm,
0: um, Yeah, look, I think that's right, but but are we talking about a loud minority? Um, uh, Well, Uh, (laughs) it's got to be a loud minority in the Netherlands, Jack. It's got to be, because that's the way the numbers fell. I did say uh, when my friend alerted me to this uh, fact about... uh, um, uh, uh, Overseas-born immigrants in the Netherlands now outnumbering the Dutch population. I said, "Have you have you spoken to any Dutch people lately?" I mean, it can only be a good thing for the country. Yeah. Uh, Well, perhaps the jokes will improve. (laughs) Anyway. well in the meantime Jack what we've got is a, is a stall on funding for the Ukraine and I know you've quoted Michael Lee at uh, some uh, some distance here um about how the bill was actually prepared and what have you and Michael Lee's been well he's he voted against um uh, sanctions uh, for um, for the Russians in 2017. Um, I wouldn't say overtly he is pro-putin um but he's a bit a bit of an american isolationist I he's an, he's an isolationist. that's a very good description that, that that's
1: right. he rejects that by the way but he is yeah, he is but uh, look, there's certainly elements about his um, his political stance. Um, uh, that do that. I'm, I, I don't have hold any brief for Senator Lee. I thought his comments about the process of developing these bills, where they're done by the people at the top of the party um, without consultation uh, with the wider um, uh, the wider group of senators, is bad, um, and, I, and I happen to agree with that.
0: Well, what happened, if Donald Trump says, "Don't fix it"? And most Republicans are going
1: to vote against it anyway. It wouldn't matter how
0: how much time they had to deliberate on the on the bill. Um, I don't
1: know that that's right. Um, uh, well, he, he most certainly uh, did say. I think, that. If, I think if they'd been brought along with the, in the process and said, "What do you think should be in the bill?" There was a, a much greater chance of the thing succeeding, but they weren't. Well, yeah. Look, I, I think what you're saying is is basically right,
0: but. But there, this is a party beholden to Donald Trump and, and he most certainly does not want the border um, fixed, uh, regardless of whether this bill will do it or not, uh, he, because he sees that as, as probably
1: his strongest political asset at the moment. Well, I think he's right. Um, um, I, 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 I think um, <laughs> having the migration situation and the southern border as it is will carry him a long, long way towards the White House.
0: Yeah, Biden's still ahead in New Mexico and polling, and 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 uh, I think going okay in Arizona. But um, uh, yeah, look, uh, you do have a party beholden to him, and um, and 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 I think this is a nice nice play from the Democrats to try and take some of the heat out of the issue that they are going to suffer at the ballot box. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but to say, look, we tried to fix it, but. Donald Trump said he doesn't want it doesn't want it to be fixed. Yeah, uh, people
1: have got better memories than that. Um th- th- What you're saying is that th- the Democrats' tactics is to say that Trump is weak on immigration and we're stronger. No one's going to buy that.
0: No, no, no. What they're saying is Donald Trump is playing politics. That's that's the way they're going. To, that's the way they're going to play that detective. Yeah. There. Well, uh,
1: uh, personally, I think America's going to look at that and say there were four hundred thousand um, uh, when Trump was president. There's two point four million now. Um, it's an extra two million people. We know who's got the problem with it.
0: If you look at that figure and and the figure I'd ask you to look at is the December 2020 figure. Um, and uh, and that was when, of course, Trump was still in power and there were big numbers coming through then. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, moving on um, uh, to the United States election here and uh, we've got uh, Trump showing up for the most part ahead of Biden. Again, I think the polling is going to become clearer um, as the primaries conclude. Um, <coughs> so we're looking at sort of murky stuff at the moment a little bit. You can tell – I, I think that the support for Trump is actually quite soft, um, and and that may well change the longer we go into it. His woes – are um, uh, uh, considerable, but he will not now face trial for the four-count indictment uh, DC uh, matter uh, on, I think it was due to start on March 4. Um, there will be an appeal that will go to the Supreme Court, Jack, because uh, the uh, Federal Court of Appeals decided that presidents aren't immune uh, from criminal prosecution, aren't given
1: a... Uh, a blanket uh, exemption from prosecution. Uh, there's a question of whether um, the Supreme Court will hear and determine that before the election or not. Yeah, we have
0: no date
1: for the resumption of that
0: uh, of that process. The four count indictment in DC. It's 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 odd, Jack, because you would think that the American people deserve to know if uh, the uh, GOP.
1: Uh, presidential candidate is a crook or not? Well, the, the, you know, you start all these legal proceedings; they they run on their own state. Well, that's because Trump uh, wanted
0: a determination, and indeed Jack Smith did too, the chief uh, or the uh, the the, uh, the prosecutor, a um, uh, special prosecutor, uh, wanted an interpretation on this because um, uh, there's long long been a. Long been held a view that goes all the way back to Watergate that no president should be charged for anything they do in office.
1: Uh, there are all sorts of
0: arguments about this, uh, and it will play out over time. Mm. I pers- my personal view is that I actually think um, that it's uh, if you're going to take the heat out of the uh, out of the election, uh, I think. Um, um, Kicking some of these things down the road is going to be actually good for America, Um, and uh, and and people voters will be able to make up their own minds um, and uh, let the chips fall where they may after the after the election. At this stage, there are um, uh, the RICO stuff in Georgia. I think is is I don't think we have a particular date there. Um, The uh, the Florida uh, secret documents case, uh, that's also been pushed late into this year. Uh, and then we've got the New York stuff, which is which is sort of a fairly light round of indictments uh, uh, compared to the DC and, and Georgia matters. Um, it, it may well be that none of these things go to trial before the election and, and maybe that's a good thing.
1: Um, I didn't think the Democrats were foolish enough um, to bring these charges in the first place. They'd have been much – if the aim is to keep Donald Trump out of the White House, they'd have been better off fighting him on political grounds rather than in the courts.
0: Yeah, I, I, look, I take you're, you're looking at this from a political standpoint, but, but if there is a view that the man has committed crimes, surely
1: he shouldn't be exempt from prosecution. Um, no, but all of these prosecutions um, have the stamp of the presidency on them because, <laughs> yeah. because three, three out of the four lots come from the Department of Justice who are part of the executive branch. Uh, and the president is head of the executive branch. The fourth one, the ones in Georgia, well, one thing we know from the um, amusing kerfuffle over the relationship between the, um, the district attorney and her nominated prosecutor is that he was had two meetings with the White House. One, he actually went to, um, uh, to D.C. and had a meeting with them. So um, the idea that that's completely separate from the White House, that's sort of a bit hard to argue now. Um, uh, well, so uh, what, 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 personally I think are, are been you now or have you off? ever
0: been to the White House I mean I, I don't really see uh, I don't really see that I mean what's what what what's been alleged Jack is that Trump even after January 6th was still trying to connive a way to retain the presidency it would have been the greatest act of theft of all time and there surely are consequences for it Um if he does become elected president, he's likely to sweep all this stuff away. Um, <clears throat> but as it is, I think probably it's best for America that these prosecutions don't take place until after the election, so
1: it can always be said he was beaten fair and square. Um and that will be hard to argue even now, um, because the indictments have been laid. It was always better in my view to fight this on political grounds. Let the people decide not to not to try and use the courts to achieve the outcome yeah
0: but i think I think you 're really drawing a long bow there too i mean you 're actually saying that you know trump didn 't commit these offenses. When there is an abundant
1: amount of evidence that he did,
0: I'm, uh, make,
1: I'm making no comment about whether he did or he didn't. Um, I, I'm, I, well, I don't no, have a view. No what,
0: you're saying, no, what you're saying is that if he did, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have to face consequences. And and you know, in a, in a country like the United States, uh, with a, with a justice system that's not firing on all cylinders, letting uh, um, influential, powerful people off. Prosecutions for very
1: serious crimes is a problem. Yeah, um, if you want him out of the White House, fight him on politics. I tend to agree, but you can't ignore his behaviour as well. Yeah, or Uh, you, or the the choice is doing that or indict him into the White House.
0: uh, Yeah, I I think again, you know, when we look at his polling, was all pretty, pretty, pretty poor, pretty this sort of round rollout of indictments. It was all pretty poor then. And as I say, I think there's some sort of soft support for him that may well dissipate, but we will see. Uh, in the UK, Jack, uh, sad news. Prince, oh, sorry, King Charles the III uh, has been diagnosed with cancer and is undergoing treatment as we speak. He will continue his... Um, uh, Private duties in terms of um, um, signing in documents, uh, signing in bills, signing in acts, I should say, um, and continue to meet with uh, uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. But his private, uh, public duties uh, will will cease for a period of time while he undergoes treatment. We're not sure of what. W- what the cancer is uh, other than uh, it's not prostate. Um, uh, and so there's no no real point in speculating. But uh, I would think, Jack, one of the things that he can do now is perhaps uh, reunite his family
1: a- around his illness. Yeah, uh, but the best comment on Twitter, has anyone asked how Megan is? Oh, that's that's cheap. Who did that? What, name, <laughs> that name that name. That's a, just a cheap shot. Um, oh, I think it's fairly fair.
0: My is it fairly fair? I mean, a black here's a black with cancer, trying to, trying to basically trying to put his
1: family back together. Which to it's the it's it's not having a go at Prince Charles, King Charles. It's having a go at Megan, who um, I don't know whether you saw the the Oprah interview. Was no one asked how I was?
0: Yeah, look, that, that's all fine, and and. And we can deal with that. I mean, families are very complex, Uh, not not least of all the House of Windsor. Um, And uh, and, and this may be perhaps a really good thing for his reign. It might be short. We don't know. Um, uh, The statistics are, for a man his age, probably stands an even money chance of, of surviving for 10 years. He will receive the best of care, obviously um and um well we don't uh, know what we don't know what the cancer is that's the difficulty with uh, with putting out so when we talk about statistics jack we're talking about uh, serious cancers um, uh, and uh, of those that are diagnosed and treated 50 percent make it into the next ten years, live for the next ten years those are the those are the, the, the broad statistics and we don't
1: know but what but that that varies is. widely depending well, it on it where will the vary well
0: if look the odds are probably go against him are based on his age um you know general fitness those sorts of things um, um but uh if you're going to have cancer surgery they they're not you know they would be. Um, a, a, as as a, a potential response, they'd be looking at his age and going, "Can he handle it?" You know that that's one of the things. Um, so we wish him well, um, and, uh, and 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 uh, I think uh, one thing that might come of this is that uh, he will uh, uh, reunite his family. He's got problems with his brother that we haven't even talked about, and his his brother probably feels that he's been horribly maligned, but he. he his conduct has been appalling. Uh, and he needs to go cap in hand to his brother and say, I'm sorry. Uh, th- th- these are all processes that happen in, in all families, Jack. Um, but uh, there's a certain authority, not that comes from him as being king, but because he's, b- because he's been diagnosed with a serious cancer. It wouldn't be, you know, we're not talking skin cancer removal here. Um, uh, we're talking about something else. And I I suspect that uh, given his prostate was examined, we are probably talking about urological function, possibly cancer of the kidneys, possibly cancer of uh, the bladder. Um, Uh -uh. We know it's not prostate, so it's going to be somewhere around that part of the body, I would imagine. Hmm. Uh, Anyway, we wish him well, and uh, it may well be the making of him. What he decides to do, you know, he's more than entitled to his privacy in terms of um, uh, the nature of his diagnosis and where the cancer is. Um, but look, uh, I looked at the statistics yesterday. 400,000 people in the UK uh, diagnosed with uh, with cancer in 2022. That's basically the rough average. So there's a little bit of increase there um, and, a, and it kills 190,000 people a year. This is, this is an illness that affects everybody at some point or another or in some way or another. And, um, and he may well be, you know, a person who can, you know, start speaking openly uh, to the nation about it uh, and perhaps encouraging a few blokes his age and maybe even a bit younger to go and see their doctors. Mm. Yep. All right, Israel and Gaza, Jack. The word genocide, I'm getting sick of listening to it, to be honest. It's not even close. I mean, while many people can be appalled, including me, at uh, what is a, a, a casualty count pretty rough, pretty pretty closely confirmed in Gaza of twenty seven thousand people, it's it ain't, it ain't genocide, is it? Ah, uh, no,
1: not even close. Right. Well, how do we know this, Jack? Um, because the, the Israelis. Are, uh, uh, are taking considerable steps to minimise civilian casualties. They're not successful in in stopping them, but they no. are they are working hard to do it.
0: Mm. Um, that's always been my understanding too. Not just in this current conflict, but that was that was almost always when a military operation there would be an ethical component to it, an ethical assessment. Done of it before that that, that uh, uh, before that strike or that action commenced, um, that there would always be a review of the um, potential damage to civilian life, women and children, etc. And, and I, I think that remains the case in Israel. It's all very ugly. Don't think for a moment, listeners, that we're saying that that uh, the twenty seven thousand uh uh casualties mainly civilian casualties is a good thing it's an awful thing um it's a dreadful dreadful conflict but the term genocide is just hurled around far too often and whether and, and and in this case baselessly yeah um yes we can we can it's perfectly okay to to say, well, I, I wish there would be a ceasefire. I think all of us would hope that was that would be the case, that a ceasefire would take place, that would extend for for a long period of time to get people out of harm's way. Um, but the simple fact of the matter is, Jack, well, there's ducks and drakes on both sides in terms of this call for a ceasefire, isn't there? The, Hamas is. Hamas was sort of keen to go, and then um, uh, their uh, uh, their boss, uh, sitting in uh, in Damascus, isn't he? Um, said no.
1: Yes. So uh, uh, is he is he in Damascus or Qatar?
0: Uh, you might be right in the latter. Um, um, uh, but uh, at the same time, the Israelis, are, are, the IDF is playing sort of ducks and drakes on a, on a ceasefire. It is required. Um, but um, but neither, neither party, that's Hamas and the IDF, the Israeli government, uh, can come to any sort of consistent view on how that, on how that ceasefire should take place.
1: Yes. Um, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was uh, on the, the news this morning um, saying they uh, know that they are going to push for total victory. Now, what does that mean, Jack? And that in his view, the total victory is the only prospect for uh, a future peace uh, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East.
0: What sort of... I mean, the, 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 to be honest, that sounds just awful. Um, uh, <coughs> that means the complete obliteration, guys,
1: of that sort of language, isn't a Total war. No, the p- complete ob- obliteration of Hamas, or as near, or as near to it as they can get. Yeah, but that's going to
0: mean more and more civilian casualties, obviously. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so those sorts of expressions I just don't think are terribly helpful. Perhaps uh, this might uh, be um, uh, not a great not a great way to look at things. But are, are there implications for the U.S. presidential election uh, for uh, over the Gaza conflict, Jack?
1: Yeah there are um uh, I think it's um uh, Van Jones I, I forget what his role was in the in the um in the Obama government, um but uh, he's now on the CNN um and he thinks that Biden has got a real problem with young Americans uh, you know, young democratic Americans uh, who, who are calling him Genocide Joe because he is not sufficiently pro-Palestinian. Um,
0: yes, and that is a problem that's sort of seeping through uh, left-wing politics across the world, isn't it? Uh, the, I suppose the easy way in which uh, people have fallen for um, um, endorsing Hamas. Um, now, they say, oh, we, we, yep. we, we don't support Hamas. We support a free Palestine. But it, it, it's way too – it's way more complex than that. Um, Hamas has been in government now um, uh, for 17 years. It was elected with not a majority and probably a majority – well, it's difficult to say, but I, I would think a, a slight majority of Palestinians probably support, support Hamas in Gaza. Um
1: but that's uh, it's uh, the, the polling that was done before this, before the war, suggests that it was a, a, a healthy majority. Uh, well, they were voted in with forty four percent, and
0: they were voted in. It must be said in two thousand—that's a while ago, a long time ago. They were voted in in two thousand and six with a policy, if we want to call it that, of armed aggression against Israel. Hmm. So I think, from memory, it was about forty four percent of the vote, and Fatah got about uh, Fatah got about forty one. Mm. So it wasn't a significant belting, but there hasn't been an election since, so we don't really know. And and you might find that uh, post October seven, there will be a majority of, of Palestinians in Gaza who support Hamas uh, in that way that we support, you know, our country who's going off the wall. Um, but. Um, um, yeah, it's almost impossible to separate the Palestinians in Gaza from Hamas at the moment, and 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 that becomes a real problem. That becomes a real problem for those people who are promoting this idea of, of a free Palestine. In an ideal world, that could happen. But the simple the simple fact of Middle Eastern politics is that you cannot deal with Palestine at the moment or the Palestinian movement without Hamas, and. And that's the problem. And that, that is the, that is the, that is where the left is so wrong on this. Um, I, I understand the sentiment because yes, it looks awful. Yes, it looks brutal. And yes, it is the, the, the Israeli or the IDF's response to the October 7th outrages. Um, but, um, the simple fact of the matter is, is while Hamas continues to represent at least a, a significant portion of the Gazan population,
1: there is, there is no prospect of a negotiated solution. No, there isn't. Um, I, I saw this uh, on, on Twitter this morning. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory, victory at all costs, victory in spite of all terror, victory however long and hard the road may be, for without victory there is no survival. A for from. guessing. Prize for guessing who said that. Well, go on, keep going. Winston, Winston Churchill, and, um, uh, and uh, towards the end of the war, mm. and I, I think I think that's where the Israelis find themselves. They need to survive, and they will they will fight to survive. And I think Netanyahu is correct on this uh, that that's what they have to aim for right uh,
0: meanwhile uh, the Saudi government not in fact the uh, most liberated government on earth jack uh, uh, they are continuing along uh, with a um, uh, n- normalizing relations with Israel and that again is a
1: reflection of where the Arab world is yes they all want a solution to the Palestinian question but None of them support, none of them want him, apart from the Qataris. None of, no one else in the region supports Hamas. Um, uh, and um, they want to have good relationships with Israel. They want to build a future with Israel. Uh, and they well, don't.
0: The Egyptians seem to be getting off scot free, Jack. They've closed the border, uh, the, the southern border of Gaza. Um, uh, you can get through, but it is going to cost you a bit of backsheesh to get through. Uh, and the Egyptians have sort of sat in their hands throughout this conflict too, without providing any support for the Palestinian people. And I'm talking about genuine refugees trying to get out. Yes,
1: but because they don't want them.
0: That's right. This is the this is the this is the awful reality of this. Is that the Arab world, almost as much as the. Is the Israelis themselves, want Hamas gone. Yes. All right. Uh, Meanwhile, Jack, we've got, um, uh, well, I think there was a British tanker, a a licensed British tanker that was struck by um, uh, Houthi Houthi missiles, and uh, there have been uh, US strikes, retaliatory strikes, in uh, Syria and Lebanon, Jack, which the Russians (laughs) with... uh, with a a po-face voted uh, to condemn in the United Nations Security Council, Jack.
1: (laughs) Yes. They don't like aggression.
0: They're they're really just not into aggression at all, the Russians.
1: Yeah. um, it's Personally, I think there's been some errors made in the response to the Houthis. Um, uh, The the United States government uh, were very keen to let the Iranians know that there would be no strikes against Iran, um, that they would be um, merely striking Iranian proxies. Now, the idea of just striking the proxies and not not striking Iran might be a good idea, but telling Iran that, I think, is a very bad idea. The Iranians need to have some doubts as to whether the missiles are going to be hitting their places as well.
0: Well, the Iranians... Officially, are saying, Oh, well, we don't know anything about, uh, yeah. we don't know anything about anything. Uh, we've yeah. just been sitting here and, uh, and, uh, well, there's all this sort of conflict a long way away. we, we don't know anything about it.
1: Yeah. Now, um, and no one's believing them, but yeah, there you <laughs> it go. Is,
0: it is, there is a bit of a credibility issue there. Um, uh, European Parliament elections, Jack, should
1: they have an election to see whether, whether it should exist or not for a start? Uh, um, well, if they, if they had an election like that, they would lose, which is why they will never have one. <laughs>
0: That's right. they are be actually voting for, 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 uh, for, for the, for the end of their existence. And a very sweet one it is. There have been another notable, um, uh, MEP members, or members of the European Parliament, who, uh, who are, complete um, um, Brexiteers and and want the place to shut down. I mean, probably about a third of them who were elected to the parliament actually opposed the existence of the parliament itself, Jack.
1: Yeah, um, there are are two issues that are are, um, uh, in particular uh, going to be difficulties for the bureaucrats in Brussels during this election. Uh, and, th- and they are migration, which we've already spoken about. The second thing is the the net zero um, uh, mandates from the EU, in particular, as they re- as they revolve, uh, as they impact on farmers. And there have been um, there have been you know blockades in uh, Belgium, Paris. France, yeah. Germany, Italy, yes. um, uh, Poland, and Romania about all of this. Um, big demonstrations by farmers, and the U.S. just just caved yesterday. They are dropping the 30% reduction target on emissions from farming. Um, they are reversing their pesticide quotas. They are allowing more land for agricultural use and agreeing to stop telling EU citizens to eat less meat. They have, Ursula von der Leyen has caved completely. Oh, well,
0: that is significant. And, um, I mean, look, you do have massive problems. So we, you, we covered this last year. There were massive farming protests in the Netherlands, Jack. You might yes. remember this, and 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 a lot of that was about reducing nitrogen, methane to a degree, um, but basically, you know, they're, they're they're in the process of poisoning their rather significant river system <laughs> in the Netherlands, but they've had to back off because of because of farming. So you, you do have a potential crisis uh, looming there, and just having available drinking water uh, that's not toxic. Um, but, um, um, but they're back down. I mean, it's a very significant, um, uh, protest, Jack. Get the tractors out, we'll close down the
1: highways, and, um, and it makes people sit up and take notice. Yeah, don't know whether you've seen the photos from uh, the videos from uh, uh, the Parisian markets, but they're almost empty because Paris gets all its fresh food in fresh every couple of days. They've only got about three days' food there.
0: All all I'd say to the the French farmers is do not make Parisians unhappy. Uh, They will hit the streets. They will be a grumpy lot they can be a bit grumpy and uh, and might get a bit and if they're hungry they're going to be they're going to be hungry and uh and, and they might get stuck in there they they will knock a they will knock a tractor over if there's uh if there's a croissant on the other side jack um
1: yeah uh, um so so the, how are the elections go mm. um, I still think the pro EU pro Brussels bureaucrats Um, uh, We'll just have the numbers um, uh, post the election, but uh, there'll be a lot of the very pro-European, pro-EU MPs who who will no longer be going to Brussels, which would be a shame because I think it might be one of the great jobs in the world. Wouldn't it be
0: fantastic? I was just thinking to myself. What what are we missing? We're just missing out on this sort of stuff, Jack. I I know we're not living in Europe, so we don't really qualify for election, but I can't think of any more fun than being a member of the European Parliament. You'd, You'd pop in... Pop in, check your emails once a week, and that's about it. And, oh, the rest and, go, is just... and, and go to lunch. <laughs> and there'll be some very fine places around Brussels. Um, yes, it uh, it, is, it is the job that uh, keeps on giving, I reckon. Yeah. Um, there's been a bit of a kerfuffle around a Newcastle United fan in the UK. Her name is Lindsay Smith. She is a... Um, uh, Fully outed uh, lesbian, uh, and uh, she has she made a few tweets. I believe I've been trying to find the tweets, but I can't find them. Um, she's an out and proud lesbian um, uh, who campaigns for gay, bisexual, and women's rights. Uh, but she's also um, made some uh, comments on Twitter, and, and again, in all the reports, no one's actually shown what they are. Um uh, but uh, she she said um, uh, uh, that uh, she well, basically the trans women are men. That seems to have been her sin. again, haven't seen the tweets, don't know where they are, uh, and, and and it seems that they've been removed. But she was under investigation, Jack. there's another job we could we could apply for. We could be part of the investigative unit of the Premier League. Um, and uh, and, uh, and investigate these kinds of outrages committed by fans, uh, the net result is that she's been banned um, from uh, attending
1: Premier League games until 2026, Jack. She has, um, uh, by, not, um, uh, by acting contrary to the values of Newcastle United.
0: There you go. So, but it, was it the club who who made the the um um uh the suspension, or was it the Premier League? It's,
1: that's a little bit murky whether it's the club or the Premier League. It is League. a bit,
0: isn't it? On well, my reading of it too. But this it, this seems to be this kind of she called it the Stasi. Everyone calls any sort of investigative body that operates in the shadows the Stasi. But there is this investigative body that gets out there and 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 and, and finds where fans are. Saying things uh, on social media that might not be accepted by a lot of people, um, and and they're finding themselves uh, being investigated. Jack, they spent four months compiling, in her case, an eleven-page target profile on uh, Ms. Smith, um, and um, and now she's been uh, she's been flicked.
1: Yeah, what makes this what what makes this even more amusing um, is the ownership of Newcastle United. Go on,
0: oh, it's yeah. been bought
1: by the Saudis.
0: Oh, that's right. It has
1: too. Yes, yes. I mean, look. So, I'm, so if so if if her tweet saying trans trans women are men, if that's as um, bad as it got
0: gets, and I, and I don't agree with that. By the way, I do not agree with that at all. But. Uh, we're entitled to disagree these days, aren't we? We're entitled to disagree without 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 punishment.
1: We, well, we should be, uh, but you've got to say that if if that's not upholding the values of Newcastle United, um, where, do you, where do you rank selling it to the Saudis? Well, they're the ones with money, Jack. That's pretty much what's happening in the Premier League.
0: But there are bigger things going on there, Jack, um now um, Everton lost 10 points for breaches of financial rules breaches that that happened in November 23 they're appealing that decision but there's been a, there, there've been uh, allegations made against man city that go all the way back to 2010 about financial breach or breaches of uh Premier League's financial rules <laughs> it's just been kicked down the road <laughs> because man city's this all powerful all conquering club yeah, and with bucket loads of money. Surely they have to deal with this in the current season. And they have to deal with this in the current season. And it may well be that Man City lose all of their points. And, you know, it's a very complex matter, far more complex than the Everton business. But at the same time, it just can't be left to drag from one season to the next and to the other. Some of these allegations go back 13 years. And, and, and the findings are based on 26-2017 uh, season. Mm. And, and they're just not being dealt with. So maybe a little bit less of the secret police and uh, get on with your job and and create a fair and equitable uh, competition, Premier League.
1: Yeah, um, do, do the things that really matter.
0: Yeah. It, look, I'm not saying Man City are, are guilty. I'm not saying that they're innocent. I'm saying this needs to be dealt with. This is this should be a high priority for the integrity of your competition and you're just kicking it down the road because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's too hard.
1: Or, or it looks like they're prepared to give the um, the, the relatively smaller clubs a yeah. kicking but won't have a look at the, the, the power clubs. That's what it looks like. It's not quite
0: true because the evident matter was a lot clearer. And, 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 and evident, evident matter are a
1: big club. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, but, but what was alleged of them and found uh, to be breaches of financial rules were a lot clearer than the Man City stuff is. But that doesn't mean you don't go for it. And while these allegations are bubbling away, and as they were last season, Man City go on and win everything. Strange, 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 Jack. Um, but that takes us into sport. We were already there in a way a uh, wonderful uh, test match uh uh in india uh, the second test v uh england england fell about 80 or 90 short um and uh were ultimately bowled out on a wearing wicket by uh, i think one of the best fast bowlers in the in the world Jasper Boomer. um he was far more effective than the spinners and when he bowls that uh, that reverse swinging yorker uh, it's going to knock over just about anybody.
1: Yeah, it was a great great test match. That's two great test matches in a row over yeah, there. It's a good series. Um, but it's been a lot in the English papers and on English social media about whether um, Bazball their Bazball approach cost them the test match, and that seems to be a oh, very popular view. I think
0: that's I think that's absolute bullshit. And I watched the last day, and you and I were talking about how it was set up for a really grand finish, and it just fell short of that. Um, and, look, Jimmy Anderson didn't help. The number 11 batsman on the night before, after the fourth day's play, going, oh, we'll try and knock them over in about 60 or 70 overs. They needed 330 at that stage. And said, Jimmy, you're a number 11 batsman. Perhaps leave the batting talk to the batsman, mate. Um, that didn't help. But I didn't see any mad... Um, uh, you know, uh, mad tearing away. I mean, w- once they lost a couple of wickets just before lunch, they were not so much in the business of survival, but they were playing the game according to the conditions at the time.
1: So yeah, I didn't I see thought, any baseball ball at all. I thought Joe Root was a bit frivolous. He sort of, that, that may have been because he had an injured finger. So perhaps he was just out there to make as many as he could while his finger stood up. But, um, uh, English fans are English fans. That's what they believe. Geoffrey Boycott weighed in um, oh, um, had to say that he, um, um, that he thought they would um, uh, had gone away from Basport a little bit, and, and Geoffrey Boycott commenting on Basport would cause me a considerable amusement. Um,
0: Just a reminder to our listeners that uh, the unknighted uh, and yet-to-be-named Sir Geoffrey Boycott uh,
1: is not a wife-beater. Uh, that woman he beat was not his wife. Yeah, um, uh, then they, they then from this went on to discussions of well, did Basball cost us the ashes last summer? <laughs> I fired in a response to this saying, "I think Basball got you close to winning them." Uh, I, I think by
0: Basball has just become a media confection
1: now. I
0: mean, I, I saw Stokes talk about how they approached the final day um, after the after the result was known. And it was just all measured stuff. And we will, you know, play according to the conditions and where we are and where the scoreboard is. I I, I didn't see any sign of overly aggressive batting. What I did see, though, Jack, was the emergence of Zach Crawley as a really good opening bat for uh, for for England now. he
1: well, he, been, had a, he had a pretty good – he was the top scorer in the Ashes, I think, last year, so he's, you know, he's well on the way. Yeah, look, he,
0: he, he, he is one who has, who has emerged. And and part of the problem was with English cricket was, you know, going back a few seasons now, is that they didn't have uh, reliable blokes uh, in one, two, or three. And, and Crawley always looked to have uh, – you know the technique and uh, and the mindset to go uh, to 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 do this, and now he's emerged as a as a quality open investment for England, and, and that's that's you know that's that's a big part of their 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 problem solved. Um, he was very very good, and uh, and the left arm spinner Jack uh, helped me out with his name. Uh, de- debuted in the first test, uh, Hartley. <coughs> it's Tom, isn't it? Tom Hartley. And, uh, and, and he looks like he'll keep Jack Leach out of, um, out of the English side when they, you know, play around the world and only pick the one spinner. He's been very, very good. Got spanked, uh, in the first test, uh, in the first innings, came back and took, uh, six or seven. He took seven, didn't he? In the second dig. Yeah. Um, and that's a really good sign of a, of a strong mind. You know, you, you're never going to have everything going all your way and, and, and his first outing, he got belted all over the park, then came back. So uh, he lo- he's, looks like a, an emerging cricketer for them. Uh, and,
1: just, and not bad with the bat in his hand. Uh, a little
0: it. bit better than Jack who can Jack Leach, who can uh, just knock him back down to the bowler. Um, uh, he can be very stubborn, uh, resistant. But uh, Tom Hartley, I think, has made um, county uh, hundreds. And uh, I think there's even talking making making a double ton that um, – and at a slightly lower level, so can play, uh, and, uh, is obviously made of the right stuff. Yeah, great series, that, and we'll be keeping an eye
1: on the third test, um, uh, uh, i think there's a i think there 's a week break the, the England players are back in Abu Dhabi for another short break um, so
0: are they uh, mm. what 's all that about uh, anyway
1: we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, because it 's easier to uh, get them all together, get the pitches they want, have the pitches prepared the way they want them um for practice et etc et cetera
0: okay meanwhile jack uh, New Zealand versus south africa um uh, a very comprehensive win for the for the all oh, sorry for the black caps um uh, and uh one notable um uh, success is Russian Ravendra who who emerged in the uh ODI World Cup as a very fine player he he made 240 in the first test at Manganui, um and he has emerged he has uh, he has now basically arrived on the international uh elite cricket nation he's got a magnificent temperament very good technique, and bat's long, <clears throat> so he's going to be a real pick-up for New Zealand going forward. Of course, the uh, Kate, Kate Williamson uh, made a hundred in each innings, uh, including a very quick one in the second dig. Um, and there's not much he can't do uh, with a bat in the hand either.
1: Uh, he's been a bit out of form for a while. He's sort of dropped off that uh, that top oh, level um, uh, for a while, but he's, he's, he's back in it.
0: He's not. He's not- if he's out of form, it doesn't take long for him to get back in form. He's, he he plays the ball. He's a bit of like Joe Root. He plays the ball just under his eyes. He plays the ball very, very late. Anyway, uh, well done to him and Russian Ravendra um, uh, uh, is uh, is going to be a superstar of the game. Young man uh, making a poultice of runs for New Zealand. Uh, Jack, we had uh, the third uh, one day uh, at uh, Marnick. I was a bit surprised they got Play underway. My my part of the world not far away. It was pouring rain for most of the day. Uh, the windies were all after eighty odd, and Australia got them in seven overs. Bit sad. Yeah, wasn't
1: it? I'd, I'd sort of lost um, track of what was happening with the one day um, uh, series. Uh, well, Australia cleaned up three zip, and and the
0: windies bats just. Look completely unprepared. They, they were, It was. They looked like they were playing long-form cricket, um, uh, playing um, you know you sort of uh, conventional Test cricket shots. Um, they they've got some good bowling, um, but their batting let them down. They had some. You know they were very good in the field, but yeah, it was a it was a bit of a shame the way it finished. There's uh, there's three um, T20s to be played, and then Australia had to. Uh, New Zealand for I think it's just ODIs and, and T20s. I don't think they're playing Tests, but uh, no, I think we'll it's not just test out of there. Um, uh, meanwhile, the women um, were comprehensively beaten in a uh, by Duckworth Lewis by South Africa. Um, uh, beaten by 80 runs. runs, um, but uh, Australia uh, won the. Uh, well, sorry, uh, uh, now are won a piece in the ODIs. There, this one to be played. Um, Australia won the first one very comprehensively, but SA. Uh, uh, well, it just proves that the Australian women can be beaten for a start. Um, they're probably not as strong as they were a year ago, um, but uh, South Africa had a, had, a, had a good day out there and, and uh, Australia won the uh, the three-match uh, T20 series 2-1, so the South Africans had a win there. And, Jack, the Sheffield cheer, we hardly ever talk about it. Tasmania are leading, uh, leading the table there and look like they'll host a final. Um, uh, and uh, if, if you look at their list... Um, uh, it's just uh, just a few uh, a few guys have come from other states for 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 a second opportunity. Um, they have got some good bowling, um, uh, but uh, if you scan the list of the eleven Tasmanian Tigers, I think they call themselves, um, there wouldn't uh, there wouldn't be too many household names there.
1: No, they look like they're going okay though. Good team. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean,
0: you know, I, I could sit and watch a, 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 a Shield final and will do when that comes around. We're still probably – they, they play it almost in, uh, well, sort of late March. Um, yeah. So I don't know how they get on in Tasmania. If Tasmania finish on the top of the table, they will be hosting. And that's uh, that's a sport, very cricket-laden uh, here, but we did do a bit of soccer as well. Oh, well, we must at some point address the uh, – uh, the AFL Jack, and I'll be interested to, he- to hear who, who you think will finish top eight and, and who you f- think will finish top two and, and, uh, and who'll hold up the cup. We must do that very soon. Uh, I think uh, from memory, I keep getting these things from my beloved Carlton Instagram account. Um, we're sort of six weeks to go now very not far away, and I think I heard something on Foxtel or Fox Sports going, hey, the pre-season, the pre-season comp starts, I think, in a week or something. Uh,
1: something like that. And um, uh, my weekly chats, my son in Sydney, he's wearing the uh, the Swans um, polo shirt these days, working there. Um, <laughs> so he keeps me up to date.
0: Yeah, no, they're, they're not far away from the pre-season comp, and and, it, and it's it's just really they've just gone with the old – uh, pretty much training games now. There's no cup or anything like that. It was always a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? You know,
1: because it it was. Yeah. I think there was a few years there in the mid uh, in the uh, in the mid nineties or early nineties where it had a little bit of cachet about it, but not much.
0: Oh, they did have a. I remember Carlton won a night final in the pre-season, Jack. They won the final. They held up the – Cup or whatever they were handing out there, and, and managed to finish on the bottom of the table in the real season. So it was yep. never, never a good guide. Um, all right,
1: so that just takes us out, Jack. What do you got for us? Oh, I got, the, I got sent this yesterday. Um, a blokes alone. He's sitting in the airport lounge. Uh, an attractive woman comes in and sits down across the coffee table from him. She's wearing some kind of flight attendant's uniform. So he thinks, well, I'll, I'll have a chat to her and, and, and see how we go. So. He says, well, I'll try and find out which airline she works for. So he tries the British Airways motto. motto. He says, to fly, to serve. And she looks at him blankly. So he thinks about it and thinks, I'll come up with, what about the Air France motto? Winning the hearts of the world. Uh, And she looks at him blankly again. So he thought, oh, well, I've got to keep going here. So he tries the Malaysian Airlines motto, going beyond expectations. Um, uh, At this stage, she gets a bit cross and says, what the fuck do you want? And he says, "Ah, it's Qantas." <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that wasn't bad. You know, it was a long
0: lead up there, but uh, coming off the long run, but um, yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> what the fuck do you want? Uh, our,
1: our apologies to everyone at Qantas. We, you know, we, we you know. We, we know we think you're the hardworking
0: either. men and women of uh, of uh, the Australian national carrier, um, offering uh, some fairly good. Uh, uh, tickets for overseas uh, travel later in the year I've noticed which might well, it might pique my interest um, uh, but we'll see how we go with that because we want to be uh, we want to still be uh, keeping the two jacks going for you now uh, we do encourage uh, as a, as we always say we'd love to hear from listeners just to tell us uh, how how they think we're going or to ask us a few questions or even just completely vilify and abuse us and um, and uh, so we did. We did receive <laughs> from from uh, uh, from uh, Joel a conditional release program. We received an eleven attachment attachment letter from Ray Armstrong, <laughs> our beloved, our beloved Ray. May we'll deal with them next week. Eleven attachments, probably about eight too many. Um, yeah. But I uh, love to hear from you anyway, and of course we love to hear from all of our listeners. Uh, so uh, uh, you can drop us, drop me a line on uh, on Twitter or X, uh, and at Jack the Insider, my DMs are always open. And Jack, how about you? Uh,
1: Hong Kong Jack dot com. We'll find him.
0: There you go. All right, listeners. Thank you very much for your, for your for for turning into us, to tuning into us, I should say. And uh, we look forward to bringing you another program next week. We'll see you later.
1: Thank you.